Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Jesus, going on. 
Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on sing heavenly sunshine I want you to send it out across the nation these dark days and the days are dark we need more and more of the heavenly sunshine bring the servicemen right around here we're mighty glad to see so many here and all together on the first verse heavenly turn right around shake hands with as many as possible give everybody a good handshake all right, now I'm really lifted up. What's more? Heavenly Wonderful and be seated. Thank you so much for taking part so heartily. It was indeed a dark and desperate day in the history of Israel when God solemnly declared, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Furthermore, I call the Christians of this land, yes, and other countries as well, to pray with us for those in authority and for our present critical world condition. These are perilous days. Can we expect to be held blameless of the blood of our young men who are laying down their lives in this awful conflict if we fail to pray? I am therefore asking that even though you are among those who have continued to remember the work daily in prayer, that you write us this month indicating that you are again taking your place among the hundred thousand or more Christians in the hedge to fill up the gap, thus surrounding this worldwide ministry with spirit-inspired prayer. Yes, these are desperate days, but remember God said, Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knewest not. Our mailing address, Old Fashioned Revival Hour, 700 Locust Street, Pasadena, California, 91101. Yeah. 
with the letters. Go right ahead, honey, and read out to the audience in the radio. Greetings, friends. A man, a physician, who hears this broadcast in Scotland, writes, I often direct the attention of my patients to your Thursday evening program, especially to those who are finding life's road very rough to travel as a result of long illness or a heavy burden of sin. What a difference depending on God and prayer makes in a life which is heavy laden. I have experienced what Christ can do, and I'm so glad that you and your family are spreading the glad news of redemption through his blood. We pray for a rich blessing on your work. Another good letter comes from England, dear Dr. Fuller. May I say, sir, how thankful that I am for your service. I look forward to each Thursday evening when I listen and then go to bed with a sure knowledge of God's presence. I did not hear your program until early this year and have not missed it since. I was a nominal member of the Church of England, but I did not attend church until after one of your sermons on the subject. I go to church regularly now, and I have a sense of peace, an understanding which was not there before. I am a retired Master Marine, 63, and through your messages have made my peace with Almighty God and trust that he will bring me to my desired haven. My son returned after three years in the army in Malaya, and he listened with me each Thursday of his month's leave and would not miss a word of it. May God's rich blessing rest on you all. You are blessed with a wife and son who, like you, are devoted to God's service. My dear wife left me in 1943, and now through you, I know that I shall meet her in heaven. Isn't that a good letter? 
And in this letter, this gentleman mentions the fact that he knows most of our hymns. For, I quote, I was brought up on sacred songs and Alexander's hymns. An actress wrote us from a penthouse in New York. She said, turning the dial idly of my radio, I heard songs that I've heard my grandmother sing long ago. What a friend we have in Jesus, blessed assurance, and rock of ages. I listened all through your program. I wish my life might have been different. I wonder, that was the tone of her letter. And that is all I shall have time for today, friends. Oh, uh-huh.
May we stand please and sing two verses of number 120. I love to tell the story of unseen things above. All together and everybody right on the first verse. I love to tell the story Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to Thee today through the Lord Jesus Christ by the medium of the Holy Spirit, who is now taking our petitions and bearing them up through Christ unto Thee. We thank Thee for that wonderful way of approach through the new and living way through Christ, who is now at Thy right hand ever living to make intercession for us, and we can come boldly and make our requests be made known. We pray for the special requests, especially for the families where sorrow has recently entered. Loved ones have gone departing from this earthly wilderness journey. And today we pray that thou wilt lay upon the hearts of a hundred thousand or more to pray daily for the broadcast of the old-fashioned revival hour. Thou knowest our need, and we pray that thou wilt supply that need according to thy riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And thou, Father, to those that are in darkness, alienated and cut off from the life that's in Christ, speak to them. And may the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, be presented in such a way that they'll cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. We pray for those in authority. Have thy way in these difficult days. And speak peace to the warring world. For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.
resurrection morning when the trump of God shall sound, we shall rise. Oh, yes, we'll rise. Then the saints will come rejoicing and no tears will ever be found. We shall rise. Oh, yes, we'll rise. We shall rise. We shall rise. Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is Prayer Part 2. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 19, as we rejoin the broadcast. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, 
series of messages on Ephesians to a close today, speaking upon Ephesians 6, 19, and 20. Ephesians 6, 19, and 20. God has wonderfully blessed this simple series from one of the deepest books in the Bible, and hundreds have been brought to a saving knowledge of Christ. Paul, the beloved apostle at the time he penned this Ephesian epistle, was in Rome in prison. There, chained between two Roman soldiers awaiting the time of his departure to be with Christ, Paul felt the urgent need of intercessory prayer on his behalf. He had urged the prayers for all the saints as stated in the 18th verse, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But now he comes with a personal appeal. Think of it. The beloved apostle, after three missionary journeys, suffering afflictions, imprisonment, starvation, shipwrecks, founding many churches in his day, he's coming to the close of his earthly race, and he asks the believers for prayer. It's a very sweet touch, asking those about him to pray for him. Now notice the wording. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, not politics, not some new ideology, not some new world system or anything of that sort for government, but for one thing, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. Now note in passing, Paul does not ask for prayers that he might be freed from prison. Instead, he asks for divine strength to speak with holy boldness. That is to proclaim the good news of God's power to save to the uttermost all who come by faith unto the Father through the Lord Jesus. Also note this, 
Paul, in asking for special prayers, felt that if his messages failed, if his witnessing was unworthy, not up to the highest standard for his Lord, part of the blame rested upon the believers who failed to pray for him. Beloved, we who are by God's grace called to stand on the firing line, making known the glorious mystery of the gospel, wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against a great host of satanic wickedness in high places, we too need your prayer, your intercessory prayers, your effectual, fervent prayer. Did you pray for this broadcast today? I know many of you did. Many of you prayed daily for us, and we appreciate this. We do need your prayer. And I'm thankful that here at Long Beach, each Sunday, several of our faithful volunteer ushers, who are earnest soul winners, gather together for special prayer that souls will be saved. Further, a great hosts of prayer warriors in this visible audience cease not, fail not to pray for this broadcast. And then we are truly thankful for you, the great radio audience, who remember us daily. God bless you, each and every one of you, for great will be your reward, sharing in the conversion of countless souls throughout the eternal ages ahead. Paul speaks of special prayer in his other epistles just by the way of introduction. In Romans, the 15th chapter, we find these words, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayer to God for me. Second Corinthians 1.11 Ye also helping together by prayer for us. Colossians 4.3 Praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I also am in bond. And then in First and Second Thessalonians, Brethren, the, the heart appeal from Paul, Brethren, Pray for us that the work of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. And beloved, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and that day is near in my humble judgment, Satan, knowing that his time is short, is in great anger, energizing the children of disobedience in one last final effort to thwart, to hinder, to stop the proclamation of the gospel if possible. Hence... We need prayer that we may open our mouths boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. If Paul felt that he could not do his best without the prayers of the saints, neither can any pastor. Don't criticize your pastor. Pray for him. Pray for the officers. Stop your gossiping and critical attitude. Pray for your Sunday school teachers. Pray for your deacons. Pray for your elders. Pray for your trustees. And then last of all, pray for yourself. That you may do your best and sin not by forgetting to pray for those around about you. Now may we know Paul's specific request that utterance may be given unto me. Verse 19. That and for me that utterance may be given unto me. Now Paul is saying in so many words, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And he that heareth the word of God, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Furthermore, According to Romans 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Paul is reasoning. How then shall they call on him 
whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And Paul's earnest desire was not to fail in this all-important matter, but that utterance might be given unto him that he might open his mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Soon after Paul's conversion, by the way of illustration, still in Damascus, we read in the ninth chapter of Acts how he went to the synagogue and there preached Christ with great boldness. Again in the 13th, 14th, 16th, 18th, and 19th chapters of Acts, he was bold in proclaiming the gospel and writing to the Roman church. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And now, at the end of his earthly race, coming to the sunset of his earthly race, chained between the Roman soldiers, he said, I want to be bold to speak the mysteries of the gospel to those that come and visit me, if by chance I may win even one of my visitors to Christ. Now we note from these different references, Paul's utterance concerns such vital matters, just by the way of parenthesis, he spoke that Jesus is the Son of God, that through Him we have forgiveness, the remission of sin, that Christ's blood and Christ's blood alone cleanses from all sin, that Christ is risen from the dead and now seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us, awaiting the moment to come back to execute judgment and take vengeance on them that know not the gospel and obey not the gospel. Paul wasn't taken up with the things of this world that will soon pass away, but he struck at the very heart of things. And the heart of it is that you need to have your sins forgiven and washed away. That's the first great need of redemption. And then note further Paul's one consuming desire, and I'm going to break it up very carefully, to make known the mystery of the gospel. To do this, Paul was willing to suffer the loss of all things. As I mentioned a few moments ago, he endured shipwreck, imprisonments, suffering, starvation, beatings, afflictions, in his effort to make known the mystery of the gospel. And Paul said in so many words, Listen, fellow pastor, I haven't time to be a member of this club or that club or that organization. I haven't time to be a hail fellow well met. But instead, Paul said, My one burning desire is to make known the mystery of the gospel. This one thing I do. May God give you a burning zeal and a passion to make known the mystery of the gospel and have holy boldness. You'll talk about everything else, politics, weather, what not. But when it comes to the gospel, somehow your mouth is closed. Why is it? You're afraid of your friends. Afraid, are you, of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Now notice the word mystery. That word mystery in its simplicity means simply a sacred secret. For example, the mystery of Israel's blindness. Now it was revealed in Isaiah 6, 8, and 9, or 9 and 10 rather, that Israel would be blinded in the days between the cross and the Lord's second coming. But 
It was a secret as to the duration of that blindness. That is, Isaiah did not reveal that time period. But in Romans, that sacred secret, the duration of that sacred secret, we find as follows. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, sacred secret, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. And right now with Israel budding as a fig tree, representatives going to the nations of earth, raising tremendous sums, selling bonds, Israel's bonds. Listen, Israel is on the march, but going back in unbelief, in blindness, and that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And that blindness is going to end when Christ, as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, come some day, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And in a moment, Israel, returned to Palestine, will be reconciled to their Messiah. And according to Romans, all Israel, nationally, will be saved in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Tremendous events are ahead of us. And then, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery, a sacred secret. I show you this secret, by the way. What is it? Up until this moment, everyone knew that it would come his way to die, that it was appointed unto men once to die. But when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and later to the Thessalonican believers, he revealed this tremendous fact that we shall not all sleep. That is, these bodies of ours, all of us will not go through the grave. Here it is. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and then, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. And the great teaching, sacred secret revealed is this, that hundreds, thousands will be alive at the return of Christ for his own. Hardly a day goes by, but I ask the dear Lord to be in the harness preaching the gospel to be alive when he comes. If he permits my earthly tabernacle to go to the grave and sleep awaiting the resurrection, his will be done. I'll be departing to be with Christ, which is far better. But listen, I'd love to be right preaching on the old-fashioned revival hour and hear the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ rising first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That's a mystery. Sacred secret. Now another mystery is the mystery of the indwelling Christ. That God's plan is not reformation, but regeneration. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the moment that you accept Christ as your personal Savior, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passing away, all things becoming new. That's a mystery. A sacred secret. The world doesn't see it because their eyes are blinded lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in. Making known the sacred secret of the gospel. First of all, the gospel, its source. 
and I'll have to give it to you quickly. Where did this wonderful gospel come from? But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. This marvelous gospel is heaven revealed by Christ through the Apostle Paul. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel, its salient point. Listen, what is it? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. Buried and rose again the third day, but the outstanding point is that Christ, Christ God's beloved Son, no one else, died for our sins. And then the scope of that gospel is in Romans 1.16 to everyone that believeth. I'm sorry to tell you today that there are other gospels so-called, such as the social gospel that stresses reformation, Sermon on the Mount, how can a dead person dead in trespasses and sin live the Sermon on the Mount? You can't do it. For by the works of righteousness shall no man be justified. And I tell you that any other gospel other than revealed in God's Word is satanically inspired and out of the pit. For it is a bloodless gospel and will never save a soul. And this gospel, Paul was not ashamed. For this gospel, heard, believed, and received, changes men's hearts, and they become new creations in Christ Jesus. Verse 20 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. I must bring it to a close. Let me read it to you again. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And Paul says in another place, Woe is me if I speak not the gospel. I want you to know that the one aim of the old-fashioned revival hour, laying aside secondary things that are good, laying aside everything else, the one aim of this hour is to speak forth the mystery of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. Give me your closest attention now. Listen to me. Outside of Christ, you're a sinner. The penalty of sin is death, separation, alienation from God. Either you must die for your sin or an innocent substitute die in your place instead. And the gospel is that Christ, Christ, God's beloved Son, died in your place instead, died for your sin. Now, he says to as many as receive him, to those that receive him, I give the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. I'm dealing with souls here in the closing moments of a serious broadcast. Everyone quiet, please. And unless you accept Christ as your personal Savior, you'll die in your sin, and you cannot come where Jesus is. But go out into a Christless eternity, lost, separated, a child of eternal darkness, without hope, without God, without Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. To you out in the radio audience, dead in trespasses and sins, you're a sinner before God. The wrath of God abideth upon you. 
God is not willing that you should perish, but that you should come to repentance. He said, Whosoever will may come. And him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Will you come today, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. The simplicity of it, yet the eternal destiny of it. And while our heads are bowed in this splendid visible audience long beast today, how many will put their hand up, or hands up quickly, say, Brother Fuller, God bless you, pray for me, I need Christ as my personal Savior, remember me in prayer. Is there another one just before we close? I must close. Continue in prayer. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.